cool, connected them. Trombones easy, cool, connected them. Trombones now here. Welcome to the Pony Island Whitefish. I'm Andrew, and I'm here with Riley. Hey, Riley. Hello. I'm getting very good at the intro now. Yes. <laughs> Settling into the comfortable rhythm of waiting until you get an opportunity to say hello. Mm. This is That's what me. Um, I'm Riley. <laughs> this, this is what this is what Plato was writing about about the taming of Thrasymachus. Uh, me, sure. I'm Thrasymachus, and I've been tamed. Sounding like a real Boris Johnson over there. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I love his uh, old timey well, books specifically because I'm talking about an old timey book that, like Eddie, Eddie, like, you just you have to read in first year university. Uh, if yeah. I really wanted to be a, a classicist, I'd, I'd talk about some kind of obscure linear A archive that's been opened, uh, and that allows us to get a new bead on what Minoans may have been paying for wheat. Huh. I'm paying way too much for my weed. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah. You, you, should, you, should, you should pay at least four men leaping over bulls for a bushel of wheat. However, you're being charged up to... Uh, up up to seven staring owls, and I I simply can't keep pace with that. <laughs> In, inflation <laughs> inflation has been set at um, three roosters crowing at the sun. Hmm. There's only so many roosters crowing in the sun that you can yeah. uh, keep in your wallet at any one time, really. Yeah, that's right. And it's bad for the roosters. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They're, they're, and also, you can only spend a rooster crowing at the sun in the morning. This has been the... <laughs> Riley is pretty sure that Linear A was a pictographic language, but now can't remember. Uh, <laughs> so, classicists, uh, hit the comments, but uh, don't yell at me. Never yell at Riley. No. Well, there's another update that we need to have, and that, of course, is breakfast update. <laughs> Yes, that's right, Andrew. Uh, Today's boat watch um, (laughs) uh, indicates that uh, I have decided to have a, uh, I basically the uh, little the little Tupperware I usually use to make overnight oats in uh, was Mm -hmm. already used yesterday to for something else, and so was in the dishwasher. Uh, So instead, I have opted to have some oat cakes, comte showers. And then a little bit of spare hummus um, that's not to be combined with the cheese, as my girlfriend noted. She said, ah, you're having hummus with cheese? To which I said, no, I'm having hummus on oat cakes. I'm also having cheese on oat cakes. Never the twain shall meet. <laughs> um, so that's, that's breakfast for today. Uh, I, I was considering having nutty muesli. And here's something that Pony uh, Island Whitefish listeners will enjoy. I had trouble falling asleep last night because I was thinking about which mug to use. <laughs> what, the next day? Or Yes. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, I've ended up going with my favorite mug, uh, the best color of the best mugs. So it's uh, the Le Creuset Volcanic Orange. Uh, it's <laughs> the one that's... where if you, if you imagine a Le Creuset, you'll imagine this color. Uh, it's a very nice mug. It's got a really good heft. Um, and I'm sitting it on a little tile from a uh, Mexican design shop nearby that's supposed to be a tile for construction, but that I've gone ahead and put some felt on the back of. So now it is a handsome coaster. 
I I went extremely basic bitch style today and had uh, two slices of toast with peanut butter on them. Mm. Like to put a lot of peanut butter on that. Oh yeah. But you know what uh, I hate? I hate a thin peanut buttering. I really want to know there's peanut butter on my toast. Well, it's like, what's the point? Mm-hmm. What's the point otherwise, you know? It's it's a lot like the cream cheese thing all over again. Oh, yeah. Hey, you know what I wanted to do? I wanted to go grab uh, a dozen or so bagels and then make myself a little, uh, make myself the S-tier breakfast, which is, of course, the smoked salmon, cream cheese, and bagel, no matter how it's spelled. Um, but you know, that was, that was not to be because my girlfriend's dog is staying with us for a couple of days because she misses her dog. Your girlfriend's dog is in town. <laughs> oh, uh, sorry. My, I have to go see my dog in law. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. yeah. So that's, uh, that, that's the situation. Uh, she's very cute and very small. Um, I, I really like having the dog around. I would like a dog of my own. I feel like we could do this for an hour because this is the most pointless episode of Bones that we've ever seen. Yes, I agree. It is. Uh, it, is it has basically no mystery, um, no plot. All, very little happens to speak of. Um, the it is it is a the barest whisper of an episode of Bones. It may as well have been a commercial break. Although, I will say that. Um Maybe more so than the previous episode, it does like um, it does have all of the hallmarks of bad bones writing. It does combine those in a in a particular way, which is to say, um, extremely inconsequential family drama, mm-hmm. uh, interpersonal issues on the staff of the Jeffersonian Medico Institute for Sexual Harassment that amount to nothing, mm-hmm. um, and of course, practically dozens of plot developments and leads that are dismissed almost as quickly as they come up. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I watched this one two days ago, and I, I'm good, it's good to have notes, because I'm actually having <laughs> trouble remembering what happened in this show that I watched so I could notice things and remember them. Um, <laughs> also, before we get into this, I wanted to do another one more quick thing that people expect from the Boney Island Whitefish, which is a uh, politics update. It seems like America, the DNC, is just... Okay, a few weeks ago, you know how American liberals just love like Harry Potter and stuff? Mm-hmm. And they always talk about young adult fiction? Mm-hmm. A couple of weeks ago, it changed. And now they're talking about their mommies and who, who they want to tuck in. And how Liz Warren spelled out BLM with like baby blocks in her DNC video. And um, how... like. Uh, 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 Michelle Obama makes them feel like Mr. Rogers. Um, why are they babies? Why are they babies now? They've regressed to being babies. Yeah. Yeah. I can't argue with that. It's, um, it's bleak. It's bleak all around. And yeah. it's very hard to look at uh, Australia, America, or the UK and think, that's going to change sometime soon. Yeah. <laughs> The UK, it's so hard to picture a positive trajectory. Especially because, like, like at least in the UK, the people who are committed to nothing getting better, like, but, like, on the progressive side of the party divide, at least they're not now that they've won, sort of putting on a diaper 
and crawl, calling out for their mama because I guess they feel they can just live out their adult baby fetish. Like, at least they're still acting like... A, like, they're acting like adults still, just, you know, awful adults. Well, I mean, it's the same thing that our friends over at Chapo Trap House have been saying for a while, which is basically the whole pitch from the DNC at this point is... Um, wouldn't you just like it if everything went back to normal? Wouldn't you just How like c- it if you didn't have to think about anything again? And I guess there's so so much going on that if you that the way to engage with things while not thinking about them used to be to be like a teen and have your friend group in power or whatever. And I guess now the way to engage with things without thinking about them is to be a baby and have a mommy. Have your bottom powdered. By yeah. your mummy. Jesus. Uh, it's just, it's, it's been inescapable for me the last couple of weeks. And I can't, I just can't, I cannot stop thinking about this. About particularly, the Particularly. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, people, people commenting on like the pictures of Biden and Harris together. And they're just like, oh, it's like your cool grandpa and your mum are here to send you off to camp. And you know that everything's going to be okay. It's like, what are you talking about? What is wrong yeah. with you? You're 50. <laughs> why do they like, have to be your family members? Yeah, why, why, why do you need to be... Why do you, what is it about a 50-year-old liberal, probably a straight-ticket Democrat voter their entire life, and why is this not replicated in the UK and Australia, secondly, that they're just like, well, I, I cannot relate to things except for in terms of authority over me. I, I because like if if you think about it like it was for a long time it was all school. It was like oh the socialists are like the cool kids and the trumpists are like the smokers who hang out behind the school and it's like you're 40. Shut up. Shut up about school. <laughs> Just say a real thing. Say something material. Stop with this odd extended school metaphor. And now it's just gone. It's gone to the other main sort of uh, 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 source, I think, of, of certainty and authority when you're sort of before you've reached the age of majority, where it is uh, your parents, and you. It's it's this it's this this proclaim it's this proclamation of, well, I know we've called ourselves the resistance and we've sort of brave posting warriors investigating Russia and investigating Trump and uncovering the fucking whatever, and it's like well. We got what we wanted. We now just have to wait for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris to come and wipe our shitty bottoms. And we're just going to sit here moldering and stinking in our own waste. We're 50 years old. Change my bottom. Fuck. And I guess the big irony there is that... um, I guess the big irony is that... The, the knock on like millennials and zoomers and everything for so long has been, ah, oh, you just want someone to tell you that you're a good boy and that you don't have to work hard and that everything's going to be easy and that no one's going to criticize you and all that kind of thing. And this, this ticket that Americans are being presented with now is just, it is the, you're not allowed to say anything bad about my nice granddad who I want to be president. <laughs> <laughs> like the the entire thing is just no you're not you're not allowed to be critical of it mm-hmm. you're not allowed to say that actually 
maybe maybe we need to do some hard work instead of putting up the absolute bare minimum. You're not yep. allowed to say any of those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are merely allowed to shut up and take what you were given. Yeah, much like we had to shut up and take what we were given this week. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Sorry, we're, this is this is neither Buntavisa nor Trash Future. This is not a political podcast. Uh, this is the Bones podcast, where politics That's happens. Right. Now, the, the, there's a little bit of politics in this one, you know, tiny bit. There's a there's a little bit of the it's economic very funny. mess. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's we have the economic mess. Uh, so you know. That's that's we a, good. We have a bit of economic mess. We have a bit of um, we have a bit of very lib-brained equality talk. Oh yeah, a lot of that. Uh, just, and, just it felt like it was from two thousand four. Yeah, yeah. So this is Bones season five, episode thirteen, "The Dentist in the Ditch." Let's give away a bunch of the plot with the title right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are running a. Plural so it bones turn, it, count. It, it turns out there was a ditch. <laughs> yeah, that was the surprise. <laughs> uh, plural bones count of 23 and a singular bone count of 36. So we're God putting damn. up numbers. Hell yeah, we're, we're back on the board. Numbers. Remember, remember a couple weeks ago when we were like, oh, bones count of seven. Yeah, yeah. They only said bones five times, so we were sad about it. This time, though... <laughs> They're going off this time. I'm rolling around in my. I'm rolling around in, in bed on a big pile of just the word bones printed out on little <laughs> slips of paper. Uh, imagine one of those scenes where like somebody's you know robbed a bank and then they've tipped all the money out onto a bed and they roll around and throw it up in the air. That, but um, you've just tipped out a big big bag of bones. <laughs> all clinking around on you. It's very I uncomfortable. I, st- I I'll be rich. I've stolen the bones from bones. <laughs> right you throw some up in the air and they hit the hotel ceiling fan and come flying back down at you yeah that's right uh, it's right it's 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 I'm giving them over to a fence who's looking at them through a jeweler's loop is like are you sure these are the bones from the show bones the bones so um where do we begin we open on what i hoped was a civil war reenactment and not the actual civil war i really didn't think the show had it in them uh-huh. to do a flashback I that would have been okay. Okay, number one, I would have loved that to see like <laughs> I don't know, like Union intelligence officer like John Wilkes Booth, I guess, uh, <laughs> a, a sort of a kind a kindly nurse who's like a mega genius who never understands anything. Um, you know, H- Hodgins gets like wounded from a cannon. I'd love to have seen like the Bones crew try to solve like a a turn of the century mystery. I feel like that would have been fun for them to write. And if they'd taken themselves 5% less seriously, they would have done it. Maybe they did it in another season. Don't want to know. Not interested. <laughs> so there's, uh, there's two nerds uh, doing a Civil War reenactment. One of them is a little too into being a Confederate. Mm-hmm. Um, little, little too into it. They're arguing over which side was better and also who won the war, which yeah. seems kind of... <laughs> like both of those questions have pretty... Cut and dried answers. Pretty thoroughly answered. Um, they do then stumble upon a skeleton, um, but then they continue to stay in character as they argue about whether or not the skeleton is a Confederate or a Union soldier, and I have to respect that commitment to a bit. Yeah, they're good reenactors. Yeah. You know? Uh, they weren't even, although they weren't even an old-timey character. They were just like... They were just a couple of nerds from like R slash who would win being like, 
oh yeah, well, uh, if if Superman would have been a would have been a Yankee, it's like, oh please, Krypton was totally confessed. It was that kind of just again, as as it is uh, pointed out last episode, I have been unable to stop seeing just wretched soy. I think uh, I think you'll find that Superman was an immigrant, and that's why I'm voting for Joe Biden. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you're voting for Joe Biden? It's 2009. He's already vice president. Oh no! That's uh, that's uh, what we are. We are it, when we do the Boney Island Whitefish. We are 2009 reenactors. Oh God! So we uh we then skip straight over to the FBI. They give very little time to this. Oh setup. God! This B plot. Oh, oh my God! Man. The B plot. Oh my God! The B plot. I forgot it's... about it till just now. It's very bad. It's very forgettable. But it turns out that Bones has a younger brother. I have no idea as to whether or not this younger brother has ever been shown to exist in another season of the show. And I won't be finding out. Yep. Uh, it's uh, Booth, he... not Bones, who has the younger brother. Oh, sorry. Booth. Yeah. Um, Come on. We, people need to... People ha- are following along at home. They're drawing their plot flowcharts. You know. <laughs> Sketching storyboards while we talk. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. They're stor- they're trying to puzzle out the episode by storyboarding it. That's what all massive Boney Island Whitefish fans do. Well, my apologies to the listener. It is in fact Booth who has a younger brother uh, named Jared. Uh, that wasn't a problem in two thousand and nine yeah. yet. I think. Nope. Uh, he's, Jared he's t- up there up there with Adolf. <laughs> <laughs> Names we no longer want or need. <laughs> Hi, my name is Adolf Fogel. <laughs> oh boy um, maybe, maybe take that out, sorry <laughs> No, no, that's fine uh, okay. There's somebody out there Somebody out there is hearing this and finally feels seen um, Anyway, the younger brother, Jared He's, he's different to Booth He's free-spirited He's been to India And he's met and is going to marry a girl named Padme Padme, where have I... What's... That's uh, you you like uh, as much as I, I'm sure that is a real name. In this case, the creators of Bones just watched Star Wars Episode One, right? Yeah, they were like, "That's exotic." <laughs> uh, Booth's phone rings, and he says, "I gotta get that. It's my special murder line." Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he's and they laugh because that's funny. It's a funny thing to say when you spend all your time investigating murders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, it's my it's my funny murder line for when I solve my quirky crimes. And again, it's like most most crimes are something like intimate partner violence, or you know, like um people like like fucking people getting smuggled. And he's like, oh, it's the whimsical crime phone. Yep. Um, it's good that he can still laugh about it after all of the murders that he has investigated and committed. Yeah, uh, or so, just like people getting shot just over people get just getting shot by crossfire uh, for for like you know drug deals or whatever, and he's like, "Oop, it's the it's it's my mystery line, <laughs> the mystery machine." Yeah. So it's back to the Civil War reenactment battlefield for Booth, mm-hmm. uh, where he meets up with Bones, and uh, he says, "Hey, what's what's with the red dirt?" That this skeleton's buried in, and one of the nerds says the pine needles left behind tannic acid, which acts like red dye. Mm-hmm. Uh, why does why 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 is this line in there? Well, it's uh, it gets explained because um, Bone says he is right, and years of tobacco farming drained the land of nutrients. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And the other nerd says, which caused the topsoil to wash away, which left behind red clay. Uh, to which Bone says, you are better scientifically informed than your attire might suggest. Classic Bones. Um, so this is just because ex- I'm dressed away. this way does not mean I'm a Union soldier. <laughs> Um, this is explained away as, oh, well, we're big Civil War buffs, so we have studied this battle extensively and the geography of the surrounding area, the soil and such, which mm. does not fly with me for no. even a second. No, because a Civil a civil War buff, especially one who reenacts, because, like, Civil War reenactment is, like, it's a Southern thing because... They're obsessed with having lost the Civil War and can't stop thinking about it because they want to have won the Civil War, at least many of them do, so they can continue doing all the stuff they were doing. So I consider sort of like a Civil War reenactor who's like super into being a Confederate as just like, no, you're not interested in topsoil. You're interested in like fucking manacles. Um, so... We we cut to the lab. Hey, Vincent, the British intern, is back for the first time since episode seven. <laughs> what the fuck are these guys doing for, like, the five intervening episodes? Maybe they just have a lot of vacation days. <laughs> like, it, they, like the Jeffersonian met... Or maybe they're constantly, like, because of the constant sexual harassment, they usually have ongoing, like, litigation with the Jeffersonian. And so they're only really actually in work sort of once every few days a month yeah they're just taking trauma leave yeah um seeing the workplace counselor you know <laughs> like the workplace counselor is sweets and so oh he, no. does, he does a little bit of the sexual harassment himself i think so um you know this this guy says that like more people died in the war of like diarrhea than war wounds or whatever mm-hmm. um another fuck out- wikipedia fact thank you yep uh, it points out that the skeleton has titanium bone screws, so it isn't a Civil War guy. So forget about that vaguely interesting idea that we bothered to introduce one minute ago. Yep. No. Hey, no, could that's... this be a Civil War soldier? No. <laughs> anyway, what do you think no. it's going to be? We're going to raise Did... and dismiss possibilities for the next 35 or so minutes. Come with Didn't us even... on Bones. <laughs> Didn't even make it to the credits on this one. Yeah, what the fuck? They, like, they should, they should have said, could we be solving one of America's oldest murders? And then it goes, And no. And then, no. No. No, we're not. Created by Hart Hansen. No. Exactly. Yeah. Um... So, you know, they're like, hey, we got to get these bones out of this clay if we want to look at the bones here on bones. Uh, But then there's thousands of spiders pouring out of it. Cam does not like it at all, which she she demonstrates by saying, I really don't like spiders. But bones, well, she's not like you and me. She says, I don't mind them, actually. Cool. That bones. She's so different to you and me. Yeah. Awesome. What, are you saying she thinks crime is funny? Wow. <laughs> Credits. Oh, yeah. Leaning over backwards, the bones are flying all around me. 
created by Hart Hansen. No. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, was, I thought was this weird. episode's bad enough that we can use the whole credits. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But it was, it was so weird, right? Where Cam was like, I don't like spiders. Bones is like, I don't mind spiders. Credits. And it's, it feels like, it feels like I have this written down. The, it, it, it's, it's also at like, it, it's in the middle of Bones saying actually that it cuts to the theme song. Like, it felt like this was an error. Like yet another error that made it into the final show and was just broadcast because they like don't give maybe a shit. they were meant to put something in after that you know a bit of a bit of a button but the line that they they finish on before cutting the credits is I don't mind them actually yeah a real credits. fuck just putting a fucking button on that scene huh <laughs> so uh, we established that the victim is late twenties early thirties based on the spiders the body must have been moved to the area because we have to have something for Hodgins to do. Yep, basically. that's right. It's like, it's like uh, Night Boat on The Simpsons. There's always a canal or a fjord or an inlet. Yep. He yeah. is able to discern instantly, um, oh, there, you know, there's a whole bunch of breeding grounds for this particular type of spider within X miles of the area, but not in that specific area. So the body must have been moved there. Uh, of course. Um, the, cl- the classic, um, the classic uh, arachnosis evidentius. Yeah, um, the bug the bug stuff is the bug stuff is like a lot of the other specialist knowledge on this show and even Bones's ability to to understand um human interactions, which is to say that it only ever becomes useful for the exact moment that it needs to be. Yeah. Uh and then it just goes back to whatever. Like that's the thing. Like it's everything is <clears throat> everything is evidence of something. Nothing is evidence of nothing in this show. They'll never look at something and be like, hmm, well, I guess that didn't lead anywhere. And I suppose, like, that would be almost too naturalistic for a mystery. But, hmm. you know, a, a good mystery, sh- you should be able to figure it out based on stuff that has been shown to you in the plot already by the end. Um, and this isn't only true of Bones. This is also true of all of the, like... Because there was this wave of shows, right, that follow from, like, CSI and stuff where there's where it's just it is basically unfolding a bunch of crime solving mega geniuses as they just solve crimes basically through magic whether that's wild speculation based on bones or wild speculation based on psychology or what have you um you know it's and 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 they're just they're not they're crime shows but they're not mysteries but they're kind of they have the tone of mysteries which is sort of so weird. Hmm. It's no good. <laughs> so, hey, here's oh. a bit of great bones banter for you. Oh, uh, I think we says, both have this written down. Some male spiders are known to actually to pluck their webs like a guitar to attract the females. And Hodgson says, someone should tell them it's the drummers that get the girls. Ah! Uh, and then it goes, beep, beep, boop. Yeah. And you're like, oh, damn, this show has everything. <laughs> Yeah. It has or bones, you say, it has comedy. <laughs> yeah, or you say, fuck you to, <laughs> to your TV. Just, just, there's just like a, an ooze of soy dripping out of the TV as, as Hodgins and Vincent look at you and raise their eyebrows and are like, ah, that's how people talk. Oh, boy. Uh, so it's off to the Founding Fathers. And we're now here with uh, Jared's seemingly extremely American girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And uh, my first thought here before the, the plot went 20 seconds further was that this was the most non-threatening Indian woman that could possibly be presented to a 2009 American audience. Mm-hmm. So, um, there's a, a bunch of painful interactions here as, as Booth does some awkward stuff. And then uh, she starts talking. He says, wow, your English is great. And she says, yes, I'm American. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm a third generation American. Thank you. Yeah. And, and in some ways, I'm sure that this, you know, in, in the era that this was written was probably designed to be one of those things of like, ah, actually you're showing your prejudices by assuming that I'm Indian merely because I am an Indian looking woman who your brother met while in India. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like it's one of these things where this episode is actually full of this kind of thing where it's like, I can tell what the writers of bones were trying to do. It's just that they're very stupid. Yeah, and please, my TV writers, they're very stupid. <laughs> but but yeah, at the same time, like I said, you can kind of you can see how someone could present it that way. They could say, ah, it's actually showing that that Booth was the one who made assumptions here, as he goes on to do for the rest of the episode. Mm-hmm. But in reality, it's much easier to say, like, um, and and this will come up again during this episode. It's much easier if you are someone who is writing a TV show for a mainstream American audience in 2009 to say, ah, I, I did something wild and impulsive. Me, Booth's younger brother, I went away to India and I met a woman there and I'm going to marry her. And you can still have that plot line happen, but instead you explain it away with a single line. And then that way you don't have to have somebody who's too Indian. You don't have yeah. to have somebody with an accent. You don't have to have somebody who's dressed like an Indian person. You can just have an American actress. Yeah, so you can you keep can... your plot point. Yeah. You can okay. keep your plot point. You can still have a person of color. But yeah. outside of that, they are just an American soap opera actress. You know? Well, it's this... Uh, it's extremely, this extremely conventionally good-looking woman. And yeah. And yeah, so you, you get to have the plot. But you don't have to have somebody who is actually like um, this. I guess what I'm getting at is this is the least foreign you could possibly make a foreign person for this audience. <laughs> well, also, right. It's like, well, we can't have like we have to sort of it, it bodes. I think if you the more I think about this show and I really never thought I, I would think about it this much. But here we go. Um, Bones is a show that's actually all about conflict and. Uh, sort of difficulty never happening or being just avoided or being worked out because people are friends, right? And in this case, they're like, oh, we could, this could be a difficult situation. We could have to like write about immigration. We could have to write about, you know, some character experiencing some kind of growth or transformation. We could have had to write about something difficult, you know, but instead what we've done is we have made the plot a kind of soft play area for the characters where we have anticipated and removed most of the things that might cause them to experience some kind of something. Now, I was actually wrong about this, this very thing which you're referring to, because my note here is that there's there's suggestions being made uh, by both the brother and... Booth himself that he always thinks that his younger brother Jared does the wrong thing 
Mm -hmm. um, and it felt to me like they were telegraphing from miles away that Booth will be completely right and he won't have to learn anything because that is the pattern of the show has established. Mm -hmm. The show has established that um, you will be presented with some type of difficulty like this and at the end of the day, much like the um, familial conflict that he had with his father uh, about the, them, you know, spending the entire episode saying... Booth, you think that you can look after him by yourself, but you can't because you work a full-time job and you're solving and committing murders all the time. And, you know, you don't have time to do this. You have to put your dad in a home. And when it seemed like they were finally edging towards him actually making some kind of decision about this, his dad comes to him and says, I've decided I need to go back to the home. Problem solved. Mm. But that's what um, happens in this episode too, I think, right? Where... Um I mean, fuck, fuck the plot. Let's just talk about the whole B plot now, um, right? Like we did that in the, on the last episode, and I, I think it, it it helps to be able to talk about the B plot all at once. Um, well, well, I, I will ask you then if we're doing yeah, that. Yeah. Have you seen the movie? They came together. Yes, yes, I really enjoy that movie because all of the interactions between Booth and his younger brother are all like a scene straight from that movie. For anybody who hasn't seen it, They Came Together is a like spoof of a rom-com, um, which is not a genre that you often see getting like the the naked gun type parody treatment. Yeah. Uh, but it stars Paul Rudd and Amy Poehler as the leads in this thing. Mm. And it has a great, great supporting cast of all of the people who are in a lot of that like um i think it's yeah. a david wayne movie all the wet hot american summer kind of stuff mm -hmm. and they they do very very well at all of like the most painfully obvious tropes of that such as the copious references to new york city being like another character in their story <laughs> or i, I um, like the when the, when they're when paul rudd and his friends are playing basketball yes and one of his friends is just like i think love is for babies but then again i'm just a single i'm your single roguish friend and then the next one is like Nah, man, you got to follow your heart. And the third one just turns the character to Cameron and is like, I'm the black friend. <laughs> Says nothing it was, else. It was, it was that, that friend who, um, who says, no, you know, you got you to gotta settle down and get married and have kids. That's the point of view that I represent. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the thing in particular that this makes me think of is um, his uh paul rudd's younger brother in that movie is played by i think one of one of the guys from maybe from uh new girl max greenfield from yeah, new girl yeah, who yeah, plays yeah. winston and um and all of their interactions are his younger brother going hey big brother when are you gonna let me fly on my own and <laughs> constantly calling each other like little brother and big brother and my big brother always thinks this and like that is honestly without without any hyperbole what all of these fucking interactions are like uh booth's younger adult brother is constantly saying uh it's just little brother stuff hey it's just a big brother thing oh, it's God. like again are you a fucking baby it, the, the what is the infantilization rot has been going for longer than we ever thought so so basically the the entirety of this very subpar B plot is that Booth is uh, suspicious of this whole thing because they've only known each other for a month and they've decided they're going to get married. Uh, he runs a background check and discovers that 
dun 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 she used to be an escort um there's a lot of great 2009 variants on hooker and prostitute and uh the the i think they're they they do a bit of talking about the appropriate way to refer to a sex worker but unfortunately it's only within the context of bones um talking about what she believes the hierarchy of sex workers to be yeah uh, and, which uh, you is can, not good escorts you, are up the yeah. top you know and you can tell right like you can tell that that again they're like we're gonna do a thing where she was a sex worker and it's okay and it's like it, it's basically yeah it's it's bones bones's only ability to sort of engage with the politics the sort of progressive politics that the writers probably believe they profess is to do different versions of like your uncle saying i don't care if you're black white green or purple you know <laughs> just it's just that again and again and it's in the a plot too but what strikes me about this right is number one they're, they're like, oh, we, we met in India and we got married and we're a month ago and we decided to get married. This is always the right decision and no conflict ever arises from it. The conflict that arises from it is Booth does this background check, identifies that she was a sex worker at one point, and then is like, I need to tell my little brother. And then he ums and ahs about, should I tell him? Should I tell him? Should I tell him? And then he eventually tells while, him. While quite rightly, the other people around him go, hey, that's kind of fucked up. Yeah. You know, point, points to that. And it's, oh, should I tell him? Should I tell him? I'm going to tell him. Tells him. The brother is like, hey, that was kind of fucked up. Fuck off. And then, apropos of, you know, nothing, no growth, no conflict, no actual heat generated, no friction, just says, ah, oh, you know what? I realized even if you were misguided, it means you love me. And then Bones raises a toast to the concept of love and the episode ends. Pretty much. Uh, so yeah, this this was really the only one where Booth has then had to say, "Oh, I guess." Well, well, because but the thing is, he really. does. He well, doesn't he really. gets he gets pressed by Bones because Bones says, "My my father, my estranged father from an earlier season that we will not be watching, mm-hmm. won't learn." Um, he he had a criminal past, which was referred to in an episode from this season. He had a criminal past. And, you know, you convinced me that he could change, that he could become a different person. And that's the only reason I have a, a relationship with my father now. So you have to prove to me why these two situations are different. And due to her powerful, uh, powerful skills of logic and the facts not caring about Booth's feelings, uh, he's forced to say, well, I guess you're right. I will accept uh, my brother's fiance's past. Which is really not even up to him to do anyway. Yeah. But the thing is, I think I think that I, I still... I, I think you're slightly... I, I, I slightly disagree, right? I don't think Booth really learned a lesson here, right? I think, yeah, he, he has learned to accept his brother's fiancé. He might have learned a surface-level lesson. But him, like, spying on her had no consequences. And it was just immediately accepted by everyone that he... he even though he might have done the wrong thing, his heart was in the right place, and so it's fine. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, just fucking... The B, the B plot in this one just... I was, I was just like, God damn. God damn. <laughs> how is this worth hundreds of millions of dollars? Oh, it's, it's dreadful. It's dreadful yep. stuff. So we... Well, the only thing worse than the B plot is the C plot. <laughs> 
Oh, the C plot. The C plot's cute. I love the C plot's adorable. The C plot is just these damn millennials want their praise. Yeah. The Br- British intern just wants to be told he's a good boy and given a bottle full of avocado. Probably by <laughs> probably by writers who are currently talking about how Kamala Harris is their mother. Probably. Yeah. So um so you know, we're we're IDing the skeleton and uh, Vincent and Bones are looking at it, and Vincent says, uh, 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 I'm ever so charmingly befuddled. Interesting juxtaposition. Substandard dental work, but top-of-the-line materials. I thought that might help with identification. And Bones says, I've seen that before in people who get their treatment for free at a dental school. And Vincent says, suggesting that the victim was poor. And Bones says, specious leap, Mr. Nigel Murray. Oh, are we suddenly concerned about specious leaps? Are we all of a sudden not doing... Specious leap. Wild speciation, you know? Are we not constantly... Are we not constantly fucking... So this is followed up, right? By um, them having a bit of a chat about this. Uh, She gives him a bit of a clue... Which he picks up on, and they together they come to the conclusion that the body is a dentist because, quote, a dentist would most likely have his dental work done by other students while in dental school. That would explain the work on his teeth, which for some reason is not a fucking specious leap. No, not at all. Like, um, yeah, no, no. It, no. So it, it could be it could be someone who got free dental work. It could be a dentist who. Like let his fucking students do dentistry on it. Yeah, it could have also been someone who was like not super wealthy and got his dentistry for free at a dental school. Could have been hmm. that. Uh, the other big takeaway I got from this is that being British is funny. Yeah, it's uh, ver- that's why that's why I live here. Just so for all the <laughs> gutbusters. You know, I'm just walking around. I, I go to the, like the Tesco, and then you know the the lady's like, "Oh, you're." Chips in your packet, and I'm like, oh, you want some <laughs> chips, do you, Governor? <laughs> oh, can I interest you in a bit of prawn cocktail crisps? And I'm like, <laughs> British. And you say that's hilarious, you fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I turn and I, walk out of the store, <laughs> having purchased nothing, not living anywhere, because I can't go to the estate agent, and, and they're like, oh, I got a bit of a. Got a, got a bit of a garret for you in the East End, if you don't mind rooming with a bunch of rats. And I'm like, ha, 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 ha British. <laughs> <laughs> classic. That's that classic British yeah. humor. Yeah, exactly. Just get, getting arrested by the bobbies, you know. Now, right. uh, Bones, Bones and Booth are taking a drive to somewhere, which is revealed to be... Oh, there's some Bones in it. Oh, oh. found these Bones in the East End. <laughs> And the camera pans down. It's a copy of Bones that's been used as a murder weapon. Like, damn. Uh, Booth tells Bones, he hands her a folder and says, the victim's dental records confirm his identity. Which, like, how? Okay. This is just alluding to some monstrous amount of time and work that has gone in off screen somewhere in order to advance the plot. And you just, you can just... Swipe that away with the stroke of a pen. Like, mm-hmm. who's fucking dental records? Is there some gigantic 
dental record database that every dentist in the fucking United States of America immediately sends updated versions of dental records to just in case the FBI finds a body with substandard dental work but pristine materials that they need to compare against? Well, isn't, wait, isn't, aren't you able to be identified by your, by your dental records? Isn't that a thing? Yeah, but like, I, th- I think possibly, but that relies on a number of factors. Surely that would rely on like, A, somebody knowing who you are mm-hmm. so that they can say, hey, I've got this fucking, I've, I've got a, hey, how about this for an idea, right? A house burns down. And you find a skeleton in it because Mm -hmm. all the flesh has been burned off the body. And you say, let's find out where the person who lived here went to the dentist. And then we'll get their dental records and we'll do a comparison. We can say, yes, we've confirmed that the body in here is that person. Or like, what happens? Like, how many people do you think that anywhere in Britain has, like, an x-ray of your teeth on record. Oh, in Britain? Yeah. None. Yeah. Nowhere. There's, so well, you that's fucking because, die in, well, you, the, that's you die in Britain, and you're a skeleton, yeah. and someone's like, hey, I gotta look up this guy's teeth. How do you think yeah, they well, go about also, doing it? Also, because, like, no one in Britain goes to the dentist. <laughs> British. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm just, out, I'm just out here with my wisdom teeth coming <laughs> through my lower lip. Oh, it's better than helping a tin of prawn cocktail crisps. Oh, it's so British. Uh, yeah, so like, oh, again, damn. I don't know, maybe in Canada, you know, there are there's some of that. There's some of that going on, like, you know, good like people being able to identify by their dental work. But here, it's like everyone's mouth is just a symphony of angles. But how many people in the United States wouldn't be able to afford to go to the dentist? Probably a lot. I'm, my girlfriend is now WhatsApping me saying, I can't believe you're doing that accent in public. <laughs> it's not you, sweetie. It's not you. <laughs> no, my love, I'm, my love, I'm not doing an impression of you. It's an impression <laughs> of British people generally. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, okay. Wouldn't be the first podcast to lead to the breakdown of a relationship, you know? And certainly not the last. That's right. So, uh, to me, again, this is just an absolutely massive hole in logic. Doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But we've got to keep this fucking episode going, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, we've got to keep it moving. Because we need to get clues that will allow us to solve this mystery, that write and solve this mystery in approximately 43 minutes. That's right. And so we arrive at the dentist's house. Uh, Bones remarks, big house for a single man. And Booth mm-hmm. says, looks like he's doing some serious remodeling. Hey, the door's open. Hold on. <gasps> he immediately pulls out his gun. Let's take it to 51 confirmed kills. You know? <laughs> That's right. Let's go, let's go into this house. Uh, we're, just, we're here to ask questions. Uh, I see the door is open. Anyway, better get... He, look, he killed the dentist. They could kill us. That's right. Um, the dentist who was found <laughs> somewhere else. Completely decomposed. Uh, but it's a guy inside sitting down on the couch watching TV and drinking a beer. Better point a gun at his face. Mm-hmm. Um, so they deal with this guy with the usual tact that we reserve in these situations, which is to say, oh, uh, you know the dentist? Well, he's dead. Yeah. Uh, and then when he's like, what do you mean? What do you mean he's dead? Um, hey, we'd better immediately threaten this guy with the baleful eye of the state. Uh, Booth says... 
big screen TV, cold beer. I mean, it's not a great motive for murder, but I've seen people kill for less. Yeah, you uh, have. You killed because you think the JFK assassination was on the level. You have killed for less. Oh, man. Like, just just the, the way that, again, as we've said, you know, enter, enter the premises, immediately point your gun at the guy's face, and then move straight from that to suggesting that you are going to just stitch him up for a fucking murder case. Yeah. Um, just if to you, get him to cooperate. If you inconvenience me in the slightest... I will use my administrative power to have you put away whether you did something or not. And that's what's up. That's justice. You know? Yeah. Justice is justice. about Booth getting what he wants. So, um, he does a bit of law and order style helpfulness. Um, the contractor mm -hmm. says, why would I kill Danny, the dentist? He owes me money, like $3,000. You shouldn't be hassling me. You should talk to his ex. They had a bad breakup. Uh, thank mm -hmm. you, plotted advancer. Uh, leading to the 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 first of <laughs> these things. Booth says, what's her name? And the contractor says, Chris, but she's a him. <gasps> and then... Uh, he, oh he rents a place on Dahlgren Road, which he knows for some reason. Yeah, absolutely. Look, if I'm, if I'm doing contracting work for someone, I, look, part of being a good contractor is not just knowing where your, your, the house you're supposed to be working on is, but also knowing where all of the people live, and they're also their housing tenure, uh, who have any kind of significant relationship with the client. That's what people come to expect from a contractor. Yeah. Ideally. Um, so this all gets a very skeptical look from Booth. He's like, a gay man? <laughs> <gasps> this is not the first time he'll be skeptical about someone being gay. Yeah. Um, back to the lab. Vincent says, now this is the C plot that we referred to. Vincent says, Dr. Brennan seemed very anxious to get at the sternum. Uh, not to come across as in any way needy, but have you ever seen Dr. Brennan um, compliment or praise one of us interns? So there's a wound in the sternum and this guy's a needy little bitch. Yep. Welcome to, like, again. Please. Welcome to I want the, you to uh, like me. I want you to be my mummy. Yeah, welcome to welcome to the C plot, uh, which is which has now been the stakes of which have now been told to you. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I would like to be complimented mm -hmm. by Doctor Barnes. It's it, the B and C plots. This they, this <clears throat> is kind of why I found this episode so just offensively stupid. Like the the contents of the B and C plot are fully just told to you, right? Yes. Where it's like, mm, the B-plot's just the booth being like, mm, my little brother, you're always making mistakes. Ah, big brother, you're always trying to keep me from making mistakes. Time to do some, like, you know, awful swerfism. Uh, and in this one, it's just like, I sure do wish I was complimented a little bit more by my boss. And they just say it. They say it about eight times. Uh, just, just, just in case you didn't get it, I'm really, really insecure in my job and would like my boss to compliment me. And every time the C-plot is introduced, they find a way to have Vincent be like, ah, oh, I wonder how I'm going to get complimented. It's like an opera. It, it's he, does, he does actually say at a point, I, like, he talks to Bones, and as she walks away, he says, I will get you to compliment me, Dr. Bones. Mm. Uh, uh, and again, I, played for laughs, not funny. Not funny I, at all. Have you, like, have, you, have you seen an opera? Uh, no. Good, they suck. Uh, I hate opera. 
uh, I've I have been sort of you know I've gone I've gone I've gone to a few for various reasons, but I don't care. Well, you are canonically a fancy boy. Yeah, that's true. Um, anyway, a, 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 the way that operas are written, right, is it's not is the story. There'll be like four or five plot points in an opera, and they will ad- they'll advance to each one usually through various songs and and like in the songs. When the two characters meet, right, and fall in love, if it's like a classic love opera, um, it'll be like a five-minute song where they'll say something like, I am swept away by your profession of love. I have seen her and I have been made to profess my love. But it's a song, and so a lot of the words repeat, and there's choruses and so on. And like they sort of just say what's happening over and over and over again. Well, that's helpful to someone like me who was kicked in the head by a horse at the age of 12. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Bo- Bo- Bones is a show for a sundowning nation. <laughs> um, it's, it, 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 it's got a lot of bright colors. Uh, it's nothing that stressful actually happens. And they remind you what's going on every couple of minutes. So it is, it is basically a spoken word opera in terms of how it's plotted. So, like you said, that's it. They've already told us what's happening there. Yeah. Um, we now go around to Dan the Dancer's ex-boyfriend's house. Um, and this, this, is, this killed me. Um, yeah. I always says, feel like we need a drop for this kind of thing in the future. <laughs> Don't know what it is yet, though. Um, he says, I worked two jobs to put Dan through dental school. Why? As soon as his practice was up and running, he dumped me. And Booth says, since Virginia doesn't recognize gay marriage or civil unions, you weren't entitled to anything when he left you. Uh, And the ex-boyfriend says, yeah, how is that fair? And Bone says, it's not. I'm sorry to inform you that we have identified some human remains as Daniel Pinard. And I was like, why why is this guy worthy of, like, the, the slightest tact when apparently nobody else in the run of this show is, you know? Yeah, uh, it's, it's. I think it's. It's probably like again. They just. It's. It's. I think it's more the the tone of bones is more of an the bone tone about how the bone tone. It's more of a, a sort of a measurement of how are the writers feeling at any given moment. Yes, you know? how's your day going? Yeah, how's your day going? <laughs> and they probably were in a bit of a somber mood while writing this scene, and so just sort of made it a little more somber without really thinking about it. Well, I wondered if they wanted to be a little respectful of of the gay character, um, because this this was the part that made me laugh very loudly, right? Mm-hmm. And this is what I think we need the drop for. Yeah, let me let me see what I've got. Yeah. Okay, here we go. Okay, I got something for you. <clears throat> Good, awesome. Um, so so the ex boyfriend hasn't seen Daniel in like a year. While he's talking to Booth. Bones looks over his shoulder and sees a steel arrowhead stuck in a tree directly in her line of sight, which is extremely convenient, mm-hmm. as evidence goes. And she walks over and pulls it out and shows it to, to Booth with a very suspicious look on her face. Uh, and she, they're like, is this yours? And he says, I'm a bow hunter, white-tailed deer. Yeah, I'm gay and I hunt. Get over it. <laughs> yes, perfect drop. We're going to use that a lot. Oh, boy. Yeah, I'm gay and I hunt. Get over it. Just, this, um, 
This is yeah. this is an episode full of what I feel that the writers really thought was was incredibly clever subversion of your expectations because mm-hmm. we started off with I I met I met a woman in India who I am marrying. Here's my Indian fiance. What? She talks normal just like you and me. Now I'm the fool. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, I'm talking to this guy, one of these queers. And wouldn't you know it? He hunts like a real man. And now I'm the fool for thinking that a, that a gay guy couldn't hunt. And who, who was thinking that, really? I don't know. <laughs> no, what? The viewer? Was he talking to the viewer? Because like, neither Bones nor Booth said anything about it. Yeah, this is just... It, they might as well have turned... Like, this. there are so many moments in this episode where they may as well have just turned to the camera and read <laughs> their line to the audience. And, like, in some cases, it's like, <sighs> yeah, fine. I mean, look, uh, it doesn't recognize gay marriage. Is that fair? You know, Bones turns to the camera and just be like, it's not No, fair. it isn't. And, and it's like... Okay, like, fine, like, yeah, I guess I agree with your sentiment, but, like, have you considered... <laughs> but who are you maybe, saying this to? Yeah, A, who are you saying this to? And B, it's just how it has zero significance to the plot itself. Nothing. Like, because, the, the, like, this is, if you want to think about, like, the, um... If you want to think about the writers of Bones as sort of cosseted liberals who just like the sort of aesthetics of progressivism, then you can say, okay, well... You know, we are going to, we're, we've decided we want to have a show about gay characters who aren't, you know, sort of prancing stereotypes. And instead of writing, the, instead of thinking about what that means and writing it into the story in a meaningful way that impacts the unfolding of events and so on, we're just going to have it there as kind of window dressing but we're not going to engage with it in any meaningful way at all. Instead, we're just going to turn to the camera and be like, he's gay and he hunts. Problem. Get over it. It's actually you who has the problem. Yeah, but like the the fact is, right, and I guess we're sort of exploding the mystery a little bit. This is like... If I wanted to say which episode, which episode of Bones this is most similar to, it's most similar to the Amish one, right? Where there's a lot of Amish theme stuff going on, but in the end, it turns out the crime was kind of random. Or in, in the Amish case, completely random. And in this case, semi-random. But, but we do respect the Amish. Yeah. And it's, and it's just like, you, you have this, you basically, this could have been a show about someone who gets murdered semi-randomly. And then you were like, wait a minute, we need to add eight more minutes, plus I really want to stick it to those Bible-thumping Republicans who I want to be triggered by my show. I'm going to add, I'm going to make a gay character turn to the, the the screen and say I'm gay and I hunt problem. And like there, there are people a lot of crimes have been committed against people for being gay. A lot of difficulty is experienced by people who are gay for being gay. And the fact that this that that you know the the engagement with that with with um sort of the, the an entire social movement by again it seems stupid because we're talking about like one of the dumbest shows ever to air on network television and be worth hundreds of millions of dollars but like these are the things that give people their baseline assumptions about about what like i always say right 
more people have drawn more conclusions about like economics from friends than they have from like the show friends than they have from like any book about economics right it structures what you think of as normal and you know if this is and this is kind of like the overall cultural um this this was the overall cultural defining force about what was what was what was normal. It's what people watch every week. It's what, how you interact with the world around you. Because the other way you interact with the world around you is through your immediate family and friends and going to work and buying lunch or whatever, right? So these things actually I think are pretty significant for how people process things that are happening at like a polity level. Um, and Ab- if you're absolutely, going to but like like this. But but I maintain my I also maintain my view that this is done in a way that the people who wrote this I believe would have thought to be a very clever thing that they've done right yes yeah absolutely um, a thousand every percent. single instance of this is them saying hey actually we're challenging your uh, your you know previously held perceptions of this type of person and it turns out you're wrong but. As in the case with, um, you know, the, the brother's fiance at the start, it is, hey, I've gone and, and gotten engaged to an Indian lady. But then they just back out of that by going, yeah, but she's American, though. Mm-hmm. She's an American lady. Uh, she has an American accent. She just, she just looks American. She's, you know, she is to you and I in uh, the American uh, network television audience of 2009, a quote unquote normal person. Uh, the same with meeting this guy where we go, oh, we're going to meet this guy now. He's gay, says Booth. And then they meet him and he's like, yeah, I bow hunt. I'm normal. You know, yeah. it's it's not, I... <clears throat> which which in a way you can see what they were trying to do, which is to say gay people are just like you and me. But what they accidentally do is soften soften this thing to the point of saying, oh, it's much easier to accept somebody who is Indian or gay or whatever if they look and sound exactly the same as yourself and your your perceptions of yourself, of sexuality, of your national or cultural identity are not challenged in any way, shape or form. Mm. But that is only the second of the three big versions of this that they do in this episode because that is the theme of this episode well i think there's a fourth one i think the sex worker thing also is is that one as well where it's like yeah yeah, Pop, yeah. Pop May was a sex worker and then they're like and and you know again is that is dealt it's dealt with off screen it's just like oh but i i came to terms with that and don't worry she's normal now and it's yes like, oh, yes they awesome. they actually Thank refer you. to her they refer to her as um as being reformed because yeah. she is no longer a sex worker. They refer to her as being reformed and that they have both come to terms with her past. Yeah, I don't, we don't often do... We, I think we don't often say, hey, fuck you, Bones, because usually <laughs> it's just like kind of silly. But in this case, hey... Fuck you, Bones. Fuck you, Bones. <laughs> fuck you of the week to Bones. Yeah. Um, the je- so, jeers so- of the week to Bones. <laughs> So, so far we've had the, the combination of uh, foreign person of color and sex worker, which we have managed to, um, you know, smooth all of the, the sharp and uncomfortable edges off down to a finely polished sphere by instead making them um, a third generation American 
uh, very attractive and now reformed and no longer a sex worker. Mm-hmm. Uh, the She's gay the guy. school teacher. The opposite. That's right. It's one yeah. of the most chaste things you can be. Yeah. You might as well uh, be like, then, oh, don't worry. She's a nun and I'm Jesus. That's how we're getting married. Then, then we get the bow hunting gay guy, which also led to this exchange, which is very funny to me. Uh, immediately after, yeah, I'm gay and I hunt, get over it. Bones points to his compound bow and says, that bow in his truck would generate sufficient velocity for this arrowhead to cause the trauma on the victim's sternum. And, and the guy turns to Booth and goes, what is she saying? <laughs> Speak English, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> Like, I like the idea that anything in that was, like, hard to understand. Uh, this arrowhead could go through someone's sternum. What the fuck did you just say to me? What's a sternum? I'm too... Uh, sorry, I was too busy watching monster trucks and drinking beer to understand what a sternum is. That's right. Now, we have classic bones here. When we, we cut from here to the lab, the very next sentence is <laughs> the British guy saying, No, it wasn't the arrow. Uh, because hey, that is good mystery writing, you know? You want to keep people guessing for upwards of four or five seconds. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, like the, the intern says, oh, that kind of bow would go through a sternum and then it would go straight through you and out of your spine and everything. Um, so that's, that's not it. It was like maybe if he was standing at the absolute furthest range of the bow and hit this guy perfectly. But other than that, it's definitely not that. And it's like, cool, thanks for bringing it up. Um, and then he's like, I need rhubarb because it's a crazy thing for a funny British person to say. Yeah, um, people are always saying that. He's I want like, me rhubarb. Oh, oh, cool. I need some rhubarb, I do. Yeah, I need to make... I need to make rhubarb and stuffing for tea. Me stuffing. Yeah. So people in the north of England call dinner tea, and it's fucked up. They do, don't they? Yeah, they do like, be calling so, it tea. Yeah, someone from Manchester will be like, "Mmm, what are you having for tea?" And I'm like, ah, like a a couple of steaks for tea today. It's like, <laughs> fuck off. Hot cup of steak. So um, we're over to the FBI. We've now established that the dentist, uh, Danny, the dentist, had a dental hygienist um, and she put in a complaint about him to say that that he gave her hepatitis C and Booth is like yeah you know that means they were fucking and they established this by having him talk to Sweets before he goes in there to, to do the interview and he says the good news is our victim's dental hygienist says that he gave her hepatitis C Sweets says the dental hygienist is gay too and Booth says I don't know I'm gonna ask her. And Sweet Just, says, huh? <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I also said, huh? Because I was like, this doesn't make any sense. But then, but then Sweet says, huh? Did the victim have heterosexual relationships with this hygienist? Because uh, apparently being bisexual did not exist in 2009. Mm-hmm. Nope, that was just not a thing back then. Also, just like the sheer bafflement at just sort of the many and variegated sort of intersecting and morphing identities that are being explored in this episode is hilarious. Like, it is very wait, funny. So you're saying that the gay, a gay man and a gay woman can be in a relationship together? And it's like, what the fuck are you talking about, Bones? So um, back in the lab, 
uh, stupid shit here, whimsical stuff where Vincent explains why he needed the rhubarb. He says, I told Dr. Sarayan, that's Cam, that the sternum wound was not caused by a hunting arrow. My brain jumped to a different types of arrows, which led me to the image of a giant wasp, which was silly, but which then led me to stinging nettles, which are covered in thousands of tiny little arrows. And on the tip of each tiny little arrow is a drop of oxalic acid, which not only stings, but works very well at dissolving silicates. So yeah. they got rhubarb because it has lots of that in it to help Look dissolve at, the clay. They make this is big... something he. This is something he could have just known. You could have just been like, well, and also, how come they're always doing this? They're always like putting bones into like pudding or rhubarb or beer or whatever. Like they're always doing some some shit about this. It's always some Wikipedia ass shit, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, they're always... They're, it's, it's the Wikipedia fucking crime solvers. Ugh. So now we are interrogating uh, the dental hygienist who says mm-hmm. that Dan gave her hep C and Booth is not buying it. He's like, somebody's dick got touched, you know? Mm-hmm. A, classic, a classic case of dick touching. That's what I'm investigating, right? Yep. Uh, and in keeping with classic Bones style which is what we came for. Mm-hmm. Um, she does immediately confess to what actually happened the instant she is asked a single question. Mm-hmm. Uh, she says that she had an affair, not with the dentist, but outside of her marriage, and she had to make something up so that she had something to tell her husband, who also tested positive for hep C, yep. and she decided to settle on um, the dentist nicked his his hand, her hand and I guess his hand too while doing yep. a procedure and gave them both hep C. Uh, This leads Booth to believe that perhaps her and her husband did the killing as some kind of revenge or whatever. um, Because he needs something to think until the next thing comes up. He can never not have a prime suspect. Yep. Basically. However, what luck, something comes up basically immediately where, again, they kind of like the same thing where uh, last last episode where they're like, wait a minute, we took a close look at the body and have drawn the final conclusion... (laughs) Um, where in this case, like, oh well, we we now that we've looked closely at the body, we have drawn the conclusion uh, that he was a football player from many lots injuries. of little injuries. Yeah, but this this absolutely killed me. Right, so they decide that he uh, they say, hey, these are all common football injuries. Um, Hodgson says, a gay dentist who plays football, uh, leading Bones to say. Do the significant looks you are exchanging mean that you doubt a gay man can play football and be a dentist? Got him. Fucking got him. So they show up at wait, a football wait, we field. Need the, that's that's we need the we need the drop for the line uh, when uh, when the coach. Oh, it's coming up. Don't yeah, you worry. Cool. Cool, 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 cool. Don't you worry. We turn up at a football field uh, once again. Booth explains how the fuck they figured something out. Just offhanded, just like the, hey, we got this guy's dental records from the magical realm of dental records. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says, there's only one amateur full contact league in the DC area, so well, it wasn't lucky. hard to find out which team Dan played for. Man, what if Great. there were a few, huh? Yep. That would that would have required more driving around. Uh, Bone says, wow, uh, she says, as people are practicing football. They are not unlike mountain rams that butt heads in an attempt to attract a mate. Thank you, Bones. It's hard to believe that brain damage isn't a result. Well, it is. Well, it is, yeah. Yep. Uh, And then Booth says, it's amazing. You can even make football sound bad, Bones. 
Uh, yeah, with it all is. your it nerd people, shit. <laughs> gives people concussive trauma. Uh, cuts their lives short. Anyway, time to talk insensitively to the coach of the team. Uh, the coach says, hey, well... Remember your, remember your friend? He's dead. He's dead. Uh, <laughs> he's yeah, dead. so, the, the, so he it? says... He'd better be in prison. That's the only excuse I'll accept for how long he's been gone. And Booth says, well, we found his body. Yeah. Uh, and the guy goes, oh, my now, God. Idiot. <laughs> um, so they ask if anyone, uh, any of the teammates or opponents had any problems with him. And the coach is like, no, no, they all loved Dan. And Bones says, is it possible that someone's masculinity was threatened and that person killed Dan because he was a homosexual? Uh, and the guy says, no, that is definitely not an issue on my team. And Booth says, what makes your team so highly evolved, coach? As and a, the wait. coach says, oh, meet the Cardinals, Agent Booth. <laughs> We're all gay. <laughs> this, is, this, this is like, this has the politics... Of that the episode of The Simpsons, Homer's Phobia has. Yes. But like where all of the gags where like they go to the gay steel mill and stuff are like played straight. God damn. (laughs) No, this is a gay steel mill. (laughs) It's a gay football team. We're all gay. Thank you very much. Once again, of course, this is... um, this is the, I guess, the third major instance of the show saying to you, oh, you thought people who played football were straight? What if all of them were gay? Who'd be the <laughs> fool now? What if everyone in America came out as gay? Yeah, yeah. What if everyone on the football team was gay, you idiot? It's <laughs> like, cool, thank you. <sighs> so uh, Booth then sets about forget, interrogating also, the... In- don't forget... Dealing with dealing with stuff that is real, like like the the sort of like just the crimes that and and sort of prejudice that gay people deal with, and just being like, what if none of that was a thing? Yep. You know, what if what if gay people had their own little world where all of the things that all of the prejudices that we think they face, they don't. Anyway, that's what this episode of Bones is all about. But again. Again, I hearken back to my my previous statement, which is while attempting to make some type of point about, um, I guess, you know, pre-existing expectations and um, what you think a gay person looks like and all that sort of stuff. They very conveniently managed to do it in a way which once again challenges nobody in America to be forced to look at somebody who is visibly gay. Well, I mean, like, the, whole, the whole point is like, oh, yeah, well, I bet you didn't think that gay people, non-white people, and sex workers can be normal, too. And it's like, that's not the woke point you think it is. Yep. Um, so, it's very funny, right? Uh, yeah. Booth then interrogates the entire team simultaneously, I'm assuming is a form of multitasking. Accuses them all um, of murder. And so, so he Actually asks, does um, accuse all of them of murder. Collectively. Yes. Nobody leave town. (laughs) He says, um, nobody leave town. I bet you all killed him and it was an accident in practice because you'd lose your insurance as a team if you killed someone in practice. So you all buried his body and you all did it together. You team of murderers. God damn. 
It's so silly. So, again, he he asks, you know, did anyone have any kind of problem? And one of the players says, everyone here. Hey, everyone here, he said very masculinely. Um, joined this team because a lot of the straight players don't want us on their teams. We're like family. No one here hurt Dan. No way. To which Booth responds, and you're all gay? <laughs> Awesome. Like Thank like you, very skeptical look on his face. And it's like, wait, wait, wait. You're telling me that you're and like after an entire conversation, he's just like, wait, and you're telling me that you're gay? It's like that's clearly a line that just didn't get deleted. And you're all gay? So yeah, fucking making silly. it sound like fucking Joey's world tour. Um So back to the lab. In- and in, in the yeah. next in the next scene, um, uh, uh, oh wait, so we are we are back to the back to the lab. But they're just they're, they're discussing the B plot in the next scene, and I do I wrote down one line from the B plot I'd like to relate that really works mm-hmm. with the uh, they came together comparison. Oh yeah, is that Jared says, "Oh, you want to tell me something? I can tell because you have the big brother face on. Like when I when we realized that the dog I brought home to adopt was actually a rat." <sighs> The big brother face. That was, you know. that was the that was the exact moment that I was like, I wrote down. Has Riley seen they came together? Yes, many times. You got it's that big brother look all over your face. Um, oh, it just God. made me think of like the the shit eating grin that like the younger brother in They Came Together does so well in that movie. Yeah. No, but but before we get there. Before we get there, yeah. um, we are at the lab. They found some shit in the rhubarb soup that isn't spider eggs. Um, and leading to the comments from, uh, again, this this is this is probably like one of the one or two most fleeting moments. Um, one of the most fleeting moments of actually recognizing some of the stuff you were referring to. Uh, so Vincent, British intern, says... This man endured a remarkable amount of abuse. It must have been tough. And Hodgson says, Yeah, this ain't England, pal. Being gay in America is still a tough go. And then says, I was referring to being a football player. And it just made me go, Yeah, cool. Uh, Britain, that country that famously has yeah. no homophobia. Oh, yeah. Section, section 20 what? Oh, yeah. I, I, yes. People may not realize this in Australia or America, but until the late 1990s, it was illegal to acknowledge the existence of gay people in Britain. Yeah. Uh, it was called Section 28, and it referred to it, it, it made a, an offense, the promotion of homosexuality uh, in things like schools or by government or whatever. And you could interpret the promotion of homosexuality as the acknowledgement of homosexuality. Uh, and that was illegal. And many, many sitting MPs voted to keep that. Yeah. Which is no no good. I think we can all agree. Um, but yeah, like, uh, that's... Again, this is the, like, loosest, vaguest attempt to touch on the idea of, of people mm-hmm. actually being persecuted. Um, but it's not for a joke anyway. So, they... They have run some tests on the items in Dan's athletic bag. Uh, they found somebody else's blood on his towel. Mm-hmm. Um, and they say, we ran it through CODIS and got a match. Uh, now, CODIS apparently is the acronym for the Combined DNA Index System 
and is the generic term used to describe the FBI's program of support for criminal justice DNA databases, as well as the software used to run these databases. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so they show the the photo of somebody on here called Sid Ziegler. Sid spelled okay. C-Y-D. It's a 32-year-old man named Sid Ziegler who is a former Marine and firefighter. Now, that's the most macho, heterosexual uh, resume that one can have, I believe. Mm-hmm. Wait, so, we, are you we do come me, back over to the FBI. Are you um, telling me that maybe he's... No, I'm not. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, like you said, Booth confronts his little brother... Uh, um, you know it's stupid he gets the very reasonable response you ran a background check on my girlfriend fuck off uh, and then Booth goes into the interrogation and it turns out that this guy <laughs> is also gay like the whole thing <gasps> next you're going to be telling me that there's going to be a ballerina who's heterosexual all of my prejudices <laughs> are being turned upside down I'm being challenged. So this guy does a little monologue. <laughs> fucking, fucking just like sounding Ralph Wiggum. Like, I'm being challenged. <laughs> uh, this guy gets to do a little monologue uh, where he says, you know, I wasn't ready for it, for any of it. And that made Danny mad sometimes, you know, frustrated. The only time I've ever been happy was with Danny. I wouldn't expect you to understand. I don't guess anyone would understand. Uh, I guess that's the end of that new lead that we established 60 seconds ago. Yep. No, nope, uh, because it was, it was Booth totally buys it. He's like, no, you're in love. I can tell. Yeah. But also, once again, this is the fourth time in a row that the show has spent approximately 60 seconds setting you up to say, hey, look at this picture of a very masculine guy. Um, also, he's a firefighter and he's a former Marine right mm. and then you get him in there and, and they go oh and he's gay and he loved Danny aren't you a fucking idiot for thinking that a marine was straight uh, yeah. and it is the fourth time in a row that we have attempted to challenge your preconceived notions of masculinity um, and gayness and everything by just showing you uh, the most heteronormative people that you have yeah. ever seen on TV oh, so yeah, nobody actually has to be challenged about anything Hey, what um, if we put the dentist of our prejudices into the ditch of history? It's, um, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, like, like and don't get me wrong. Sh- yeah. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that the solution to this is for every gay person depicted on TV to be like a screaming queen or anything like that, that everybody has to be like five alarm flaming or anything like that. That is not my point. I do think that it is a strange coincidence that we are shown um, a a gay a gay person's ex on this show who is a masculine hunter, uh, the the gay victim themselves who also was like a, a jock football player playing on a literal entire football team of buff jock masculine. Uh, gay dudes mm-hmm. 
And then we meet this guy who is a Marine and a firefighter and is a gay dude. And everybody is, is just completely masculine. Like there is nothing that I think anybody could describe as being even, even remotely an effeminate trait or, or anything that I would describe as like, I guess, um, you know, externally, (laughs) externally identifiable as a possible flag of somebody being gay. And it's done it's done under this pretense of you know subverting your expectations but it's very hard not to look at it like it's a very convenient way to avoid putting anybody on screen in 2009 that might make a fucking fox viewer uncomfortable well also right it's like they're they're, yeah it's challenge it's they're saying oh we're challenging norms but they're not earning any of it you know like there's no at no point is there any and again in re in real life there are a lot of difficulties people face for their sexuality and stuff or for being non-white or for being a sex worker or whatever. And in every case, what Bones does is says, hey, if we hand wave away all of the like massive social problems that these people face, then they're just like you. And it's a, I think it's a way of them being like, we want to be woke or whatever, but we don't want to engage with any of this substantially at all. We just, we want the window dressing. We want it branded, basically. It's a way of just hand-waving away the fact that, like, the fact that th- there are real difficulties here. That, like, that at some point, like, the bo- maybe the Bones team has to come to terms with, ex- with dealing with someone who doesn't fit their criterion of normal. But instead, what's happening is the entire world is molding to the expectations of the fo- of the Fox viewer written through the Bones team as, hey, the rest of the world can be normal too. And the, all of the sort of movement and all the friction and heat and so on that comes from people changing and struggling and all this, it just happens off screen or in the past or it's hand waved away or whatever. And, and the whole message is just is just, hey, you should broaden, your, not you should broaden your idea of what normal is, you should challenge your idea of what normal is, it's just more people fit into your idea of what normal is than maybe you might have expected, which is a zero-conflict way of dealing with these social issues that they seem keen to deal with. Like, I don't even yeah. think... Gay okay, people are normal, you. and by normal, I mean exactly the same as you. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, I, and I don't even, and like, I also, I don't think every show needs to deal with these issues. You can just have a fun mystery, it doesn't have to deal with issues every time but if no but it's like they put the fucking vegetables on their own plate and then wouldn't eat them yeah if you like that's what they, they make the entire deal with episode them. about this yeah and if God. you made the entire episode about this and then put no effort into thinking about it beyond what if gay people were normal god yep. fucking damn it fuck you bones this episode just fuck you so we're going to wrap this up rapid yep. fire style in very, very bonesy fashion, which is to say, it turns out that a bunch of the fractures on the front of the skull they were trying to identify were caused by seedlings from the creek being stuck in the back of the skull, cracking yep. up the front of it as uh, they Vincent, grew. So we have no cause Vincent of death or compliment. a suspect. Sorry? Yeah. Vincent no, gets no. his compliment for figuring this out. Yep. Um, so there's the C we, plot resolved. Yep. Um... We, we have no cause of death, no suspect. We are most of the way through the show. So now we have a 2009 musical montage of Bones looking at Bones. Oh, yeah. And that montage went on for like a minute and a half. Like they have nothing. They have- you know, they're normally struggling to fill that 43 minutes. Yeah. And they were just like, what if we only wrote 41 minutes? 
if we just knock off like 90 seconds here. Yeah. <laughs> you um, can just do a montage. <laughs> so it turns out there's a little nick in the in one of the legs, mm-hmm. which indicates the cutting of an artery and bleeding out. Uh, and they say there is a bit of tungsten carbide in there, a compound used to coat various types of tools, including dental tools. <gasps> one of the suspects was Dan's dental hygienist. Now, here's another moment where... Um, Hodgins's knowledge just just magically materializes where it's useful. Um, he says, "Hey, where does she live?" And they say, "Fairfax, Virginia." And he goes, "Okay, the pollen I found in the sheet weaver spider's egg sac came from hickory pine trees, which don't grow where the body was found, but you can find them all over that part of Virginia." Cool. Oh, oh, don't yes, need to an- check that another, at all. With another genus, uh, you know, coniferous evidentium. Uh, Cam then sarcastically says, motive, theoretical weapon, spiders, that should be enough for an arrest, which is played as a joke, but that is how the show progresses every fucking week. Give me the wild speculation, I think. I think that's wild speculation. Uh, Yeah, I think think they've earned it. The wildest speculation. It must be time to harass the dental hygienist again. They say, hey, have you got some dental tools? And she goes, fuck off and get a warrant. Quite, quite, you know, justified, I think. Again, that's because she didn't do it. If she did it, she would have admitted. Yep. Um, So while they're walking around, Bones looks at the pavers in the driveway and says, hey, these are the same as the ones from the other driveway. You know, those things normal Mm -hmm. people notice, but it's Bones. She's not normal. Mm -hmm. Uh, she says, hey, we had the same contractor, Lucas. I met him at Dan's office before I got fired. He said he had some extra materials left over from Dan's job and he could give me a good deal. And Booth is like, that's a scam, you fucking bitch. Uh, Lucas was reselling the supplies that Dan had already paid for. Uh, back to the lab. They've mm-hmm. dug all this shit up and said the bottom of the pavers are covered in blood. I should note that they said we need to go back to fucking Dan's house and dig up his driveway. Yeah. The bottom of the paving stones are covered in blood. All the matches for the victim. Bone mm-hmm. says he bled out on the ground and then it got paved over. And yep. then they find uh, Lucas, the, the contractor, his grout scraper. He used it for installing the paving stones and it is filthy with tungsten carbide. Perfect match. He instantly admits it. Crime fucking solved. Also, none of the other stuff was relevant. Nope. You know, it turns out it it wasn't a hate crime at all. Nope. It was random. (laughs) It was a semi-random crime. It was just a guy. It was just a guy doing some work on his driveway. They They had an argument. Um, and then he got fucking knocked down and was getting kicked by the murder victim and he grabbed the nearest thing at hand, swung it at him, hit him in the leg and he bled out and died. Uh, they do helpfully say, oh, what did, what did you do that got him so mad? Did you call him a slur for a gay person during all of this? And he said, yes. <laughs> and they said, well, that was a very bad thing to do. Yeah, um, well- seemingly suggesting... He was right to knock you down and kick the shit out of you, but you were wrong to defend yourself leading to his death. I mean, again, like, just why are they getting into this? Fucking hell, Bones. Yep. Um, and also, like, it's, uh, also, just the, the specter of the economic mess hangs over this episode as well, where he's like, God, I desperately needed the money, and I'd lose my contractor's license if, uh, you know, if, if he found out that I was reselling paving stones or whatever yes 
it's, it's just, again, you have bones, you have, fa- you have, even by the standards of a network for, like, fucking procedural, you have failed to deal with your subject matter. Terrible. Um, well, I think we can, uh, can we officially agree that this was the worst episode of the season so far? This is our I, low point. We fit yeah, rock bottom. Last, uh, before we stop, I wrote down the little exchange they have at the end where they wrap up the B-plot. Um, oh, fuck. Okay. Where yeah. Padme says, Jared and I have come to grips with everything. And then Jared turns to Booth. Again, who has run a background check on his wife? And be like, oh, she was an escort. You must break up with her. And so on. J- just, this is now solved off screen. We know your heart was in the right place. Where Jared turns to Booth and is like, so the question is, are you in or are you out? And of course, I really wanted to know if you'd be the best man. And then uh, he goes, ow, Jared does. Uh, and says, Temperance kicked me under the table. I think she was aiming for you. Uh, and then Padme says, in that case, I like her. Soy! I want them to die in a car crash on the way home. Soy! The wretchedest soy. God damn. Um, and I, I've spent the whole episode going, where do I know the younger brother from? Uh, yeah, it turns out he was, one of, he was one of the teens in the show Roswell. Oh, one of the Roswell teens. He was one of the Roswell teens, uh, which was a, a like an alien abduction show, very similar vintage to the X-Files. Uh, and he was also in a bunch of CSI Miami, I think. So, you know, he's really in the uh, right ballpark for this show. Yeah. Anyway, uh, this was the worst episode of the series that we've seen so far. <laughs> yes, but I think we're in for a treat. We're in for a treat next week. Yes, I, I'm really looking forward to next week. Beautiful. Well, All right. that's it for us, folks. We're signing off. Thanks for listening. And uh, we'll be back with another guest next week. We will. Very excited for next week. Thank you for listening to the Boney Island Whitefish. Another hour and 34 minute discussion. How did we do it? <laughs> How did we do it? Yes. God damn it. We are so good. Just too good at this. Yeah, we're so we're too good at we're too good at podcasting. That's what I think. Well, I gotta get out of here and record an episode of Punta Vista uh, with Lucy straight from Australian quarantine prison. Oh, very good. Uh, may I suggest that you, uh, for the location of the show, you are in the Jeffersonian Medico Criminal Institute for Sexual Harassment. Oh, no one else will know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> this is ju- this is just for this is just for fish. This is for fish fans. Oh, God damn. All right. All right. right. That's it, folks. See you next time. Bye, everybody.